Welcome on in to Empower Talks. This is the podcast where we talk about careers with people across the insurance industry. Welcome to today's episode of Empower Talks. Today, I'm pleased to have Simon Evans with us, and we are going to discuss the war on talent, as it's called, across the insurance industry. Simon's an expert in talent acquisition. Most recently, he was responsible for international talent acquisition at AIG. And he's going to share with us the observations that he's seen for those recruiting across the industry, as well as some tips for those who might be looking for a new role. We're going to explore this war on talent and where it comes from, as well as what we can do as an industry to prevent it hitting us so hard in the future and manage a pipeline of talent that can support our industry in the longer term. Welcome, Simon. Hi, Sam. It's lovely to be catching up. This conversation uh, we're going to have today is one that I keep having with people across the market. Um, Whether or not they're actually working in talent, I feel like talent is the topic um, in the insurance industry and not for the right reasons. Yeah, I know. Well, Sam, thank you so much for for having us on. I really do appreciate being here. And yeah, I think TA is a front and focus of everybody, right? In how do you recruit people and then how do you retain them and develop them? And everyone, you know, management, leadership, executives, I think realise how important a talent function is to their industry and I think during um, the economy crash in in 2008 it was all about finance coming to the top and CFO and I think during COVID it just shows how important a really strategic HR but also from my personal perspective talent acquisition and talent management uh, function is. Yeah and unfortunately it's kind of proven that way because we've got this war on talent is the way that everyone's describing it. I feel like it's a dramatic term but maybe it needs to be dramatic for people to take note of how much of an issue potentially this has been over the, the past, well, it's been most of the year, I'd say, really. This really did creep up, didn't it, from right at the beginning of the year? Yeah, there's been some definite some phrases, war on talent, great resignation, great vacation, all these kind of big conundrums. But I think talent is being front and focus of everyone probably for the real last four or five years, I think. I think people have realised that we really have to focus on it and that's proven more and more during covid where you had it on people's well-being was brought to the forefront flexibility and where people work and really kind of what do employees want from an organization rather than what employers were providing organizations have really had to adapt their thought process and their mindset while also making sure that they can deliver their strategy so yeah it's been a an interesting few years for everybody across you know not just insurance but financial services on how they've adapted to make sure they can keep attracting but retaining that talent yeah okay so we're going to start this episode how we always do which is finding out about your journey into insurance and your journey so far throughout your career so did you fall into insurance yes I did fall into insurance but um I always wanted to be in talent acquisition if I'm honest sorry to quote Simon Sinek, once I'd found my why, right? Bit of an experience for myself. I grew up around London and then lots of my friends were working in the city. So I came into the city and started working in banking. Enjoyed that um, in a relationship manager for a big US firm. And then I realized I wanted to get into recruitment. And the reason why I wanted to get into recruitment, I had a friend that was there, but I wanted to always go in-house. That was always my strategy then. So I learned uh, the recruitment and the dark arts uh, that was looking at asset management, so the buy side. Um, really enjoyed that. 
and yeah and then after a while it was like okay now I want to move in house and then back in early 20 I think it was early 2010 in order to move in house you had to go through an RPO get that experience so I gained that experience and then found a contract at QBE really enjoyed that experience was then recruited to work for a small syndicate called Argo Global where it was a brand new position um, and help grow them. Um, really enjoyed it there. That was a real exposure into the London market, which I think you know anyone who's in the London market can understand the uniqueisms of that. And then I was approached to be uh, head of international talent acquisitions for AIG, where I was working there for two and a half years, um, thoroughly enjoying it, working with executives and driving that. So yeah, fell into insurance, but really enjoy it. And I think insurance is an industry which is got so much potential and it's such a diverse industry in regards to diversity of exposure you can get you know there's, there's so many different angles you can come into digital it underwriting claims um so yeah so that's that's a kind of very very quick rundown in, on my experience and where you've got that kind of comparison between banking and insurance when i'm talking to young people on tiktok in particular banking is kind of often seen as the more attractive alternative uh, and then insurance for me is like the, the hidden secret the underdog that people aren't acknowledging but kind of the testimony of people who have worked in both what would you say is your view and what kind of examples would you think young people should um pay attention to when working out what's right for them really good question sam i think in regards to banks most people are aware of banks um you know when you go to a career fair when you're younger you know you see all the big corporate firms and you know even the big four right professional services pwc etc um insurance doesn't market itself as well as it should if i'm honest right and a lot of people do fall into insurance because of family connections or anything like that insurance is a career where you can go in so many angles and so many directions banking banking is is the same as well but i would just say be as a young simon um if i can go back those many years I would say, you know, be inquisitive, you know, look into insurance, ask what kind of career directions could you go? Because a lot of career fairs, you know, you don't really kind of get directed into insurance, but you would do into banking. And I think the comparisons are, you can have careers in both, you know, really successful careers. But insurance, I think has got so much that it can do. I think there's so much more value add you can provide in insurance. But I think, you know, insurance is such a more, I believe a collaborative industry where, uh, and this is one thing we can maybe talk about later on, networking, people love to meet people. People are more than happy to have chats and conversations where in banking, maybe they're not because they're maybe more of a cultural industry thing. But I, I thoroughly enjoyed my career uh, in banking, but I really enjoyed the engaging process and the way that I've been able to improve things in the organisations and also the people that you meet. You know, a lot more people in insurance uh, have been better mentors uh, really good people to kind of bounce ideas off. So I think insurance is a very it's a very different industry, but there's so much variety in insurance. And I really do think it's a great industry, and it's always going to be here, right? It's always you, you need it, but you don't want to use it. It's a thoroughly enjoyable industry that's got so much more to grow in. For me, one of the main things that attract young people to bank in is money. Right. So if you look back at banking bonuses and the amount of media attention that that's had. I think it's given like a message out to young people that if you want to earn serious money in the city, be a banker. 
I find also those stories are often picking out anomalies of people with huge bonuses rather than looking at averages. You know, I spent a small amount of time in a investment bank in my placement year and, and I didn't see much of a difference as a whole between salaries in banking and salaries in insurance. The difference I see is that people don't talk about it in insurance. Would you say that kind of matches what you've seen too? The regulatory side of it in banking, right? And I'm thinking at the top. As a youngster, I wouldn't go into a career purely looking at it as a, as a finance, right? It doesn't matter how much money you earn. If you don't enjoy what you're doing, you're not going to be productive at it. And I strongly believe in that passion and that why, you know, what do you want to try and achieve? Finance is important. Interest rates going up, inflation going up. It's really hard. And as a youngster, you know, you want to try and get your own place. And it's very, very, very difficult to get that. So money is going to be a draw. Banking, I don't see that. And, you know, unless you're a trader, a front office, you're not going to get that. But then there's bonuses of bonus. It's ups and downs, right? You know, if the markets are buoyant, you're going to get a bonus. If they're not, you're not. Where I think insurance actually is being consistent from a bonus payout. There's been some dark years for some organizations that I've known at, but they still give a percentage of a bonus. It may not be the full target, but people understand that. And then, you know, when they do have profitable years, hopefully those those bonus targets would increase. Um, I say hopefully because I've been there and seen that, but I would always go back to, you know, what, what is it that you want to do? You know, is it a relationship focused? Is it, I've got a real interest in, you know, actuarial and I really want to delve down deeper into the insurance side of things. You know, what is it that you want to do? You ask them that question. And sometimes people don't know. Right? I, I found my, why my purpose after five years of working in banking and realized I didn't want to see my career path go where it was going. So I made a change. You are the custodian of your own career. Don't get drawn by the lights within banking. I think insurance has got a heck of a lot. And once people are engaged in it, then um, it's a great career and you can travel around the world. You meet amazing people. Early this year, we had an early careers team join AIG and, um, you know, the CEO, gentleman called John Hancock, gave such a great uh, introduction on a bit about his career. And it was it was brilliant to hear the, the variety that he had. And he worked in just a few companies, right? The variety is there. And I think that's where you can really kind of get it in insurance where, Banking is, is a different kettle of fish compared to insurance. And insurance, I think you get a bit more flexibility rather than I think in banking, when I worked there, it was like at your desk all the time, like clockwork. Yeah, no, it's, I think, challenge for us that we're not in the media enough. And whenever we are, it's because there's been a, a catastrophe or some kind of event and the insurance losses are talked about, but no one's really talking about all the people that are kind of behind that and running that market and you know helping people all across the world get back on their feet when these things happen um so we we kind of got I think a long way to go in terms of it being considered one of the key career options in the city but we're heading in the right direction I think you've done you know a lot to try and think about how you can attract young people into insurance what types of things have you tried in the past and how's it gone so this is over the last 10 years, right? If we go back over, you know, recruiting five years ago is completely different to recruiting now, right? You know, I think you talked about it earlier on, like TikTok, uh, Facebook, all these area aspects. We've got to be aware of uh, where do graduates or, or students look for applications. They're not going to go maybe on LinkedIn. They're not going to go into Google and put um, company's name or anything like that. So we've got to make sure that we're getting it out in front of them. So the real important thing that, that I've looked at is employee value proposition. 
it's making sure we have a really strong value proposition for graduates, internships and apprenticeships. So how do we get that out there? And it's partnering with organisations like yourselves and, and, and others to make sure that we can get those positions advertised and also get that awareness in front of graduates. So, you know, they're looking through um, LinkedIn or, or TikTok and they can see a quick video of it may be a day in the life of someone at the organisation. Or it may be like, oh, okay, you know, there's financial returns. That's really profitable. Oh, what's the purpose? One of the things that the organizations that I've been at is making sure there are, uh, and this is something that I think other organizations are coming into, is making sure there is diversity across all levels of management, right? So I have been very passionate about trying to get diverse talent and, and not just gender, ethical backgrounds, but diversity of experience and background. I looked at a Harvard business case about Disney uh, and what they did is they were probably the first organization years ago to have groups of diverse people across the whole of Disney come together as thought groups, right? So rather than having IT people sitting together around a table, they would have IT, they would have customer service, they would have uh, accountant, they would have HR sitting around a table to come together with an idea on projects. And they were the first ones to do that. And so I'm a big believer that hiring managers or teams or graduate programs should come from diverse experience to try and come in and diversity of background as well. So I think kind of ideas that I've seen that have done very well is looking at that and getting a really great EVP at all levels. Also making it very engaging on a website. You can look at websites and um, you can scratch your heads on some of them because it's cost quite a lot of investment to make sure you get a really good website that one can attract people to look at it and then also it's, it's making sure that people graduates internships apprentices and also experienced professionals have a thoroughly great candidate experience when they come in to apply for a job and interview even if they don't get it they've gone for a really good process and you can keep them on board and then suddenly you know people talk right so you get word of mouth and referrals and the bigger organizations can move away very very quickly where the smaller ones have to take a bit more time yeah, because of obviously their capacity on the amount of people they would have. So I've seen different ideas. I think it's making sure you have a really good EVP is the important thing. And then the infrastructure to be able to deliver to that. It makes me think actually one of the most common complaints I see on TikTok, not necessarily the insurance industry, but of people job seeking is access and feedback or not hearing back from companies and I'm sympathetic of both sides of this. I can remember running the graduate scheme recruitment myself. You know, you've got hundreds of applications. How do you go through and reply to everyone? And absolutely, there would be a, a no email for everyone. I used to look at no but is, is the emails that we would try and send. So no but. We have an insight day where we talk to everyone about all the most frequent mistakes people make, you can come along to that, we'll give you all the guidance and so on. So you're not just saying, thank you, but no, there's kind of a hand holding, you know, come back next year or whatever might be else coming come in along from it. Uh, but the, the more sort of tricky ones is the further they get into the process, of course, the more tailored feedback they expect and deserve. Uh, but when you're still dealing with like lots and lots of people, that becomes quite a challenge to manage how you're going to deliver that without it feeling so generic that you've kind of fobbed people off but equally that's time realistic bearing in mind that the business is not a recruitment business it's something you're trying to sort of service within it so uh, what's kind of been your approach so yeah so um i agree i think it's very difficult to to call and speak and have a conversation with everybody right and i think 
what you have to realize is that uh, organizations have worked out we have hundreds sometimes thousands of applications and rightly so right so initially you would get an automated uh, message right because it's impossible for someone to, you know, or a team to phone up that many people as you rightly said sam it's once you're engaged in that process and then the candidate is putting time effort and emotion into the process the organization should warrant giving clear constructive feedback right because once you kind of have that candidate experience you know and i'm a big believer in everything across talent acquisition should cover candidate experience hiring manager experience and talent acquisition experience and if you can get those three engaged in the process guess what it moves smoother a lot more people are engaged in the process so in regards to feedback once you've kind of engaged in the interview whether that be a online video you should still get a call with feedback to say it may not be going through to the next stage because we're looking for someone you know um, who's got a bit more experience in x and y so you know you need to be able to kind of give that feedback and then once they're more engaged in the process and they may be coming into assessment days and they may not get it then you've got to give feedback to that individual and also maybe sometimes give them some coaching on um, you know how they answered a question or how they came across because graduates and interns and apprentices you know they're, they're not used to it maybe the first time they're interviewing maybe after a, a mock one that they may have done in a classroom somewhere so you've got to make sure you're kind of treating them fairly and giving them clear feedback so that they're still engaged with the organization because they may not work at this level but if they carry on working five ten years you may be an employer choice in five ten years time when they've got that experience and they may be moving into underwriting claims wherever it may be so you've got to make sure they have a good feedback so that's what i'm doing and i've been through a number of processes where you may get a no but that person said i'll call you back by friday and they call you back on a thursday or someone says they're going to call you back on a Friday and then it gets to like Wednesday, the following week, Thursday, the next week. Suddenly you're psyched. You're, you're, you're like, what did I do wrong? What did they, in your, your head to play tricks with you. So you've got to make sure you give candidates the value on that. And I think that's at all levels, right? Feedback is so, so important and you have to invest in time. And that's part of the skill set of an internal function, uh, early careers and time acquisition function where sometimes it's not thought of from the business. It's like, you know, there are no because of these three points that's where a real value add ta function can come into their own so this war on talent as we've mentioned it's a global thing it's across different industries absolutely but i've certainly think it's hit us in insurance a lot harder than other industries what do you think has been the instigators or the things that have increased the shortage of talent or the at the gaps that we're seeing compared to other industries? Where did we go wrong? Wow, what a question. <laughs> Where did the insurance industry go wrong on their hiring for talent? That's maybe a round table in itself, Sam. Not necessarily on hiring for talent. I'd say talent as a whole, right? Because we've got people in the industry. We just haven't seen, we don't seem to have the right distribution of, of talent. There's too many gaps within it. If we look at internally first, right? And I think if we look at um, why has there been so much attrition across the organizations, right? One, I think the feedback that I've got from so many people is um, management not having the right career discussions with them, right? So, you know, the one thing that, um, and I hope if some of my old team are listening, they would kind of take it from my side, is that be constantly speaking to them about what, you know, where do they want to go? What do they want to try and achieve? How are they feeling, right? 
and, and making sure that we can kind of give them that exposure um, or when, when we can. And so these are the kind of career discussions that people should be having every quarter with their management on, you know, what's the next 18 months to a year going to bring, right? And so you can manage that expectation. So if you're listening to this and you're not having career discussions with your manager, ask for it. Just literally go, you know, in our next one-to-one. If you're not having one-to-ones, have one-to-ones. That's another thing. Um, and managers, if you're listening, leadership, make sure you're having one-to-ones with people. You know, that could be half an hour, an hour, whatever regularity suits you. But make sure you're having it because otherwise people are going to get disengaged. So making sure that you're keeping the engaged talent force on board and then making sure that you're able to kind of look at options maybe within your team but also outside of your team on where those people go. And I think that's where workforce planning succession planning comes into its own if you have a really strong organized workforce planning both internally and externally then that puts you ahead of anything so that's kind of like what i would say from an internal point of view so there's been lots of people that have left because they've not had career progression discussions and also they've not had direct pay rises as well and i think that's that's something that a lot of people kind of brush to one side but i think you know it is very important that everyone's assessing their jobs correctly and having the right grading and pay for that for those jobs because you know some of the moves that i've seen and some of the counter offers that, that i've heard of are exceptional um and that's going back six months or, over the last couple of years because they just don't want to lose their talent so you know making sure that you're as a manager um you're having those career discussions and making sure those people are paid the right salary and then also from a, an individual making sure you're having those career discussions taking your career in the direction that you would like to go and having exposure to projects and discussions that way. So that's probably from an internal point of view. So that's been the biggest attrition why people have moved uh, organizations. In regards to, to attracting talent, I think it goes back to that point we talked about earlier on. I don't think we marketed very well to attract young, diverse talent into insurance. And I think that's where, you know, if we look at a London market, you know, Lloyd's, we could do a lot better as an organization. So everyone connecting together um, and thinking, how can we improve our value proposition as an industry. And then as an organization, you can then go down to your own EVP and what your purpose and values are as an organization. And then also, are you living and breathing those values and purposes rather than is a select few people sitting around a table thinking of what their values and purposes, but they're not speaking to the business. So that's going to be a connected one there. So it's to attract people. And then it's also, yeah, making sure that we are making it, you know, we are celebrating our successes. I think we don't celebrate our successes enough. Um, marketing can be improved on that. So someone clicks on a large insurance website and kind of go, core, is that an organization that I'd like to work for? So if I Googled it, you know, they've got to make sure that they're aware of what talent is seeing. Um, and I think sometimes we kind of don't have that as a priority. There's enough talent kind of going around it, but it's, it's that funnel to try and get younger, more diverse talent into insurance it goes back to the points we mentioned earlier about flexibility and those kinds of things. So I think it's both internally and externally. I've got a kind of, well, I've got a handful of theories um, <laughs> on this as well. So the oldest one, or, or I guess the challenge that there was the most foresight of, I can remember sitting around tables in the LMA you know, a decade ago and there being you know, stats of how many people were due to retire, what percentage of people were due to retire in the market in the coming years and essentially you know, realising that you know, there's a huge amount of knowledge and it's about to go. What are we doing about that? The conversations were, were there, the things were going on. But I think then with COVID, that proportion of people who were almost due to retire suddenly looked at it and thought, 
yeah, I'm probably close enough. I'm going to use this as my exit opportunity. So we saw a sudden exit of people at retirement age a lot quicker than we'd probably thought would be the case. Um, So I think we've kind of lost a whole level of people at that level or at stage in their career faster than we expected. I feel like the main problem, and, and this is one of the ones I voiced this on LinkedIn, and the amount of interaction, the amount of private messages I got in response to this one, I was actually really interested. I feel like for me, the the biggest issue is we've had young people coming in and actually a lot of companies maybe held back on their recruitment for a few months, but most insurance companies went through dramatic periods of growth during COVID headcount wise. So lots of people were coming into those entry roles and those entry roles are without a doubt the ones that need the most time for development, training, mentorship, support. And then we have all these people sat at home on their own, able to maybe do the job because to some degree you can learn to input a slip at home on your own, right? That's straightforward in the sense of, right, there's so there's so much you can learn around that. But you can't learn why. Why is it that broker for that risk? Why is that broker on a higher brokerage than that one? Why have we got different limits here or there? Why do we seem to have so much business in that region? All of the curious questions you would get as a traditional box assistant or underwriting assistant, might call it now, that you would just be asking someone because you're, you're sat next to them. You can't interrupt somebody's day when you're working in a different place to be like, oh, I'm curious. Hey. So there's the limit on how much they could learn from each other just trunk right down. Um, and as well, I think there was a huge amount of training that was put out. Um, and the priority was training around helping people work from home and well-being, which I think was the right thing to do. And I think, you know, that was the critical thing to do. But it became almost a distraction then from training on technical and fundamental soft skills for this new generation coming in. Then, of course, COVID went on and on, and then we were back in the office, but we were a bit cautious about going back as an industry, of course. So that period was probably two and a half years, and now we've still got a huge difference in organisations, how much people are going back in or not. I know young people who will be working at home on their own, going into the office one day a month, and they want to go in more, but their team aren't in more, so there is no need for them to. And in some cases, they're not allowed to because somebody else has to be there for whatever reason. So they're still at home all of this time. So we've got this generation or this kind of three-year period where we normally bring people in and upskill them at a very fast pace. And instead, we've brought them in and upskilled them very slowly. And our skills gaps, so where I'm seeing the most dramatic pay rises or counter offers and things you mentioned, are generally in that kind of like five to 10 years of experience. And that's because we haven't got the backup generation who are able to come in and go, well, if that person's going to move from an assistant to an underwriter role, okay, we're going to lose them, but that's okay. We have this person ready to step up. We don't, you know, we do have some, like, it's not like everybody in those three years hasn't been able to do this, but they haven't been able to do it at the pace that they had in the past. And I think that's just left us with lots of people, but not enough skills. I agree. I think if we go back to the generation of people retiring, if you look at Japan, right, Japan, their workforce are uh, a lot older. So that's why, you know, if you look at a funnel, the percentage of people at the top of it, and so that's exactly the same. The experience is going out, which is why we need to invest into the early careers. I think that will come across into the UK and other continents going forward. The remote training, AIG invested a huge amount into learning and development. 
but it was literally click this link to review how you would prioritize all the professional skills if there was insurance things in there then there was insurance how you do your qualifications that's that but it was that as you say very much online you know online classes but it was it was the world we were living in and yeah I, I do believe in people interaction right I hugely believe in that on that learning and seeing someone who's got experience coming through so there is a generational gap I think now's the opportunity though to kind of be able to kind of put it forward so you, if you're a, an underwriter with two or three years experience that was recruited back in March or sorry back in 2020 2021 or even before that 2019 and you haven't had that people interaction see if you can try and get that a bit more see who you can try and network with because one thing I think about insurance is you know what is your network and what is my brand so if you ask yourself what is my brand as a as an underwriter or a claims analyst right who knows me in the organization or well, my team know me well, who outside that that function? You know, it may be that you're an underwriter in, I don't know, political risk or A&H. Who knows you outside of that area at the same level? So are you known within your peers in that organisation? Are you known within your peers in the industry? You know, are there industry events you can go to? Are there people that you could um, reach out to to have career discussions with that have got a bit more experience? And, and it's, it's getting to know these people. One of the things I gave my team previously is like try and network with someone new every month. Literally give yourself a target where I'm going to reach out to someone and it could be in your own organization, depends on the size, or it could be externally. Go and network with people and speak to people. You are right, Sam. You have to have that awareness that there is that gap. COVID has impacted uh, the development of some of the learning because of the remoteness. But I think we can always try and pick that back up again and drive that forward. And then that's organisations realising that they may need to put on more talent programmes, development programmes, bring people in to run training programmes, but really invest in that training so that people can 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 develop. Yeah, no, I, I think as well, um, sometimes you look at people's CV or their experience on paper and think, well, they've got three years experience now. And it's like three years experience. Yes, but they've been to two networking events out of those three years because they didn't have a choice for two and a half years of them. They've had three broker lunches because this is actually their first renewal season in person. And uh, so there's all these things that we think, well, they've got three years, but actually they didn't get the normal experience over sort of such a chunk of those years that we need to almost look backwards at, at what should they have had. And we need to fix, like, just not take for granted that oh, they don't need it now. It's It's been long enough. Like We've missed that. We need to go back and fill that gap. Yeah, and that's down to management to be able to say that, but also then down to um, the individual in person to kind of realise that, you know, there's no harm in saying I haven't had experience with that. Or can I learn a little bit more of that? Once you get that learning, yes, write things down, you know, write as many notes as you can do, be a sponge. Um, the other thing that I would say is like literally, you know, careers happen at different paces, right? Be patient, right? Nothing's going to happen overnight. You know, you're not going to always get that, you know after 12 months i wanted to be at this level and i wanted to learn this you'll develop at different stages so you know be patient and i think you know one of the things that i would say is the networking is very important see if you can get you know over time develop networks from peers of people that you know you can speak to about careers or even just industry situations like this broker came to me the other day with this policy and i didn't really understand it or you know are you able to ask those kind of questions to people it may be a manager it may be a colleague it may be someone as i say that's that that's in another organization so i'd say that i would also one of the things that i've developed over time is i like to kind of do a bit of reading as well so there's lots of people out there that can help you on those one of the things that i don't want to plug them but 
there's a thing about it's called the power of passion and perseverance uh, by a lady called Angela Duckworths. And what she found is she did a lot of that assessment. And the number one trait that came out of people was about grit. So it's about can people maybe, you know, if people don't learn things, I haven't learned it yet. I'm going to learn it. You know, just take your time. Realize that sometimes it takes a bit more time to do it. So just keep persevering and keep pushing forward. And the other one that I like is people that I use quite a bit. It's a guy called Simon Sinek. Mentioned it too. There. It starts with the why. Um, you know, a lot of leaderships could read the infinite game as well, which talks about infinite and finite uh, leadership. But I think read, ask questions, be inquisitive. That's the one thing I love about insurance is that, you know, you can go to people and ask ideas and it may be a five minute conversation for a coffee. It could be passing someone at the coffee, the coffee bit or the tea area in your, in your office, right? That you haven't met, speak to people, you know. One thing about working for American firms is when you go traveling, you go to America, everyone says good morning. Everyone, everyone is like, you know, how are you doing? All those sort of things. Try and be a bit more um, outgoing and, 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 and intriguing when it comes to relationships. Yeah, there's and there is a lot of opportunity in the market, I think, to help people build those relationships externally. You have to have a network to find the network, I find. Like you have to have somebody to introduce you to those networking events or somebody to say, actually it's quite normal to turn up on your own or whatever it might be to kind of reassure you with that so there's so much opportunity there and a lot of these events are starting to come back sort of thick and fast um we are actually launching something uh, that will be live by the time this podcast goes out so I will mention it it's called springboard the issue I, I see is there are all these young networking groups there are lots of under 35s engine ones that put on lots of events throughout the year and I'm constantly directing people to them in networking courses. We literally have a handout as well, which I pop on LinkedIn every now and again, say like, here, go find these. But if you are in your first job, and especially if you've been spending a lot of that time on your own, the idea of turning up to even an under 35, like if you turn up to an under 35 as a 19 year old, like, that's quite, like, that's quite scary, right? <laughs> like, so what we are launching is um, a springboard networking initiative and the idea is not that it's almost a networking group because we we don't want people to stay in this networking group we want them to use this to springboard into the other groups so we'll be putting on events uh for social events throughout the year a couple of speed mentoring events and then also doing a monthly newsletter of lots of events that people can sign up to that they might want to and by the time we launch we'll be confirming who all the kind of sponsors are and so on but we've We've been inundated with companies who want to help with this, who want to host the events because um, uh, we want it to be free. People don't have to ask their manager because young people, they find it hard to ask their manager for stuff. They learn that through experience, but asking for someone to pay for a ticket or whatever it might be, um, but just making sure it's free and accessible for uh, as many people as um, want to come to get to. And then they will find these other groups as quickly as they can to kind of immerse themselves into all the networking that is available throughout the industry. So I'm so excited that this actually came about because um, there was one particular event we did for interns. We put on a networking event for interns in the industry and just said, anyone who's already working in it, you know, if you want to come along and give them some advice, then do. And like, I think I did one post on LinkedIn and, and 60 people turned up. So it's like, okay, there's there's a need for this. And then when we were there, multiple people kept saying, we want more of this. Like, can you put on more events like this? And no, I just kind of put in the car behind the bar and paying for the drinks. And I'm like, yeah, I'm put on more events, but I can't do them all year. Uh, yeah. Um, so but I was like, but there has to be a way that we can work this out. There has to be a way to make this kind of um, accessible. Because, you know, it's a simple concept, but you like, if you're a young person, 
and you're turned up to an event and it's not a free bar, hey, if you walk in and you think, right, what do I do? Do I go say hello first? Do I go and get a drink? Do I offer someone else a drink? Like, what is everyone drinking? Like, all of that, like, uncertainty creates anxiety. And what you want to do is just strip all that out. So all they have to do is walk in a room and somebody's there to say hello to them and then they don't have to worry about where they're going or what they're doing. Like, everything's literally laid out for them. All they need to focus on is talking to people. You know, so all of the barriers to entry all of the excuses to talk yourself out and not go in a kind of gun um, and you can just kind of come in and, and make friends i think it's a great idea sam and i think um you know if any chros are listening or anything like that i think you know what opportunity to sponsor it and then you know, that's, the, that's the fun coming in but i think you know go back to your point about a 19 year old walking into a room you know well back to when i was 19 i, I literally would, would be very very kind of worried about turning up to an event like that now kind of used to it because i've done it but you know it's a really difficult one but i think once you've kind of gone to a few then you're certainly uh, into the flow of it but it's a, it's a great idea to be able to kind of project someone forward and then having those conversations and those are the events that i think people should have right and those are the kind of things to do and and, and it's one thing to do is make sure you turn up for it right you know don't think of excuses and, and you don't have to be there all night it could be like literally like half an hour an hour pop in, see someone, right? Yes, stay there if you if you really enjoy it and stuff like that. But you know, networking event doesn't need to be all night. It can be literally show your face, get to know a few people. Okay, these are some other people that I really like with and then um, we'll follow up, you know, one-on-one in a couple of weeks' time. But no, it sounds great. I'm looking forward to it. When does it go live? I, I'm hoping next week. Uh, so those of you listening to this will have no idea what week it is. Uh, so hopefully if it's two weeks later, no one will know. But I, I've got... All the sponsors set up, essentially. Everything is, is good to go. I just need to get a date in the diary with the person organising the first event. And also, I want to schedule it so that the events, when we go out, we are able to say, these are the events for the whole year, and this is where they're going to be held. So those people that are sponsoring it are clearly backing it from day one. Uh, but also, people can plan them into their schedules over the year as well. And then the challenge really is, so anyone listening to this, we will need endless help with this. Uh, we want to send out this monthly email with all the events that are going on that young people might want to go to in insurance. I feel like I know a good lot of networking groups. I'm always discovering new ones uh, and new ones are always being created. So anyone who knows of any connect with us or if you run one and you want to have a conversation with Hannah, who's going to be running this, uh, she will be essentially, it's, it's going to be her job to know everything that's happening in the industry and just have one standard email that goes out to direct people to all of the different sign up pages and everything that, that makes it easier for them. That sounds very exciting. Yeah. Good luck. It'll be good fun. So you've mentioned some some kind of guidance for, for young people and, and early careers and so on. I guess what's quite interesting, not just focusing on the early careers piece, because you do, uh, of course, talent acquisition throughout the business. What do you see as kind of some of the key skills, the most common traits that would help you identify somebody as high potential talent? So I'm a big believer in... You know, when I'm when I'm interviewing people, what they achieved, you know, what has been, what has been the achievements, and sometimes it can be a team achievements, right? But also sometimes it can be individual, like looking at areas and ideas where they could have looked at uh, innovations or enhancements. So really, kind of getting to see how how they've enhanced the delivery of their function, right? And and if you look at it from an underwriting perspective, obviously you look straight away at how much revenue they brought in and stuff like that. But it's also what, what have they done? Because sometimes they get given a book, right? And then it's just renewing that book. But what other new relationships? How have they improved 
relationships externally, but also internally with other functions, right? What have they done that's extra that is outside of the normal deliveries? And then if you look at the functions, it's then looking at, you know, operations, how have they improved processes, procedures, how have they enhanced relationships, not just within, say, one country, but within the whole international or global region. But really looking about, you know, I, I'm interviewing people on their professional skills and professional skills. I'm not looking, I'm not interviewing them on the technical side of things. That's, you know, it's such a difficult one to be able to understand the technical side of an underwriting and then one minute and then the actuary and then a claim. So I'm asking my teams to really interview people on their professional skills, innovations. And then if it's leadership, what type of leader are they? The biggest thing that's coming out really at the moment is empathy. Are they able to be a really empathetic leader? Um, are they really able to understand situations? So it's really making sure that you really do focus as much on those professional skills and how you communicate in a stressed situation, but then also how you communicate in a calm communication situation. And that's at all levels. And then you kind of go into their strategic understanding. The higher you go up, what strategies did you put in place to grow or specialty right across that region right so or multinational how are we looking to grow that or actuarial what strategies are we looking to put in place and what have you delivered in the past that are transferable so those transferable skills so those will be the key things and obviously yes it's very important that people get the technical side of things but I'm a big believer in the professional skills you know I don't like calling them soft skills because I don't think they are Mm -hmm. soft skills I think they're so so important to be able to communicate with people, being able to prioritise time management. You know, we talked about it from a recruitment perspective, but get back to people when you say you're going to get back to people. It's just those simple communication skills. You know, I'm interviewing people on the professional skills and what they've delivered. And I like to have it as a conversation, right? I don't like to have it as a structured interview. Tell me a strength when you, you know, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? I like to pick out things from people's CVs and go, can you elaborate a little bit more and then dive deeper onto those situations? I wouldn't say there's any kind of specific skill. I would say if you're going in a vertical line of business, just ask questions, be as technically strong as you can in those areas, but also make sure that you are concentrating just as much on those professional skills because they help you in pressure times. And if somebody hasn't gone through the recruitment process for quite some time, um, certainly pre-COVID, what can they expect now? Are video interviews here to stay, do you think? Yes, I think I think online videos are going to be there because of the speed, right? You just really, you know, especially the first stage. But I think once you kind of go through that first stage, I think then it's all going to be, you know, in person. And and I really do encourage people to do it from both sides, right? So it's, it's engaging for, obviously, the um, hiring manager who's interviewed, but also it's so important for the candidate to know what the organisation is, you know, how that person behave face-to-face what's their body language like um what's the office like you know am i used to that commute um so i think it's very important and then it comes down to logistics right sometimes some of the interviews i was doing it'd be like right okay we want them to interview with this stakeholder that stakeholder is in another country another time zone right so technology has definitely helped with that and i think people are now so much more used to it but nothing nothing beats an in-person meeting yeah, I think um, I, I'm still meeting people for the first time. I was at an event last night, actually, and there was a whole bunch of people that I hadn't met in person. And you you kind of forget you haven't met them in person because you're seeing people so regularly, sort of virtually. But then when you do meet them in person, it just adds a whole sort of level of familiarity with them and kind of connection with them that you didn't have before. You kind of didn't realise was missing before. I love it. I love these networking events now. I'm really looking forward to coming into the Christmas season. Yeah, it's nice to kind of bring everything back. 
Mm. No, it's definitely, definitely. And I think, um, yeah, it's, um, those are the networking events to be to as well. It's, mm-hmm. it's good. So we always end these podcasts with a piece of advice. So your top advice to give out to people looking to enhance their careers, what would be your go-to? Well, there's so many um, tips that I've received over the years, but I, I would say the, the one thing I would be is be authentic and be yourself. You are who you are. Continue being that, but you look to adapt and learn and, and network as much as possible and speak to many people as possible and just ask questions. Ask so many questions, but take notes. Be yourself, learn, ask questions, network, be intrigued, be interested. You are the owner of your career. So, you know, and also things don't happen overnight, right? They take you, take your time. They may not happen straight away, but careers, as I know personally at the moment, they go in chapters. Yeah, just be yourself, still be um, who you are, but learn and ask questions. Brilliant. Thank you so much, uh, Simon. And we'll direct people to your LinkedIn as well in the show notes. So if anyone just want to get in touch, uh, they will come and find you there, no doubt. <laughs> Brilliant, Sam. This has been thoroughly enjoyable. And thank you so much for inviting me onto the podcast. I hope it's able to get lots of listenings and, and lots of positives from it. So uh, yeah, feel free to reach out to me if you have any questions online through my through my LinkedIn profile. Fantastic. See you later. Bye.